Welcome to another episode of Not Investment Advice. We've got an NAI boys here, and this is definitely the first time I'm trying this intro. Today, we've got our, our NAI boys here, Trunk Fan, Me Master Flex himself, Bloomberg and Jack Butcher. Opinion contributor. Oh, watch out, watch out. <laughs> uh, Jack Butcher, founder of Islam's Value. Opinion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I'm Palau Zaini, and we're, we're like, let's just let's let people know what's going on. We've been trying to start recording Yo, for about. Okay, I gotta tell hour. you guys the bevy game. So your boy's been a little <laughs> bit under the weather. So today, I mean, you guys know I come strapped with bevies. Okay, you ain't got that monkeypox, so, have you, bro? Be, yeah. Uh, well, uh, we'll <laughs> we're, we're gonna talk about it. And we're gonna find out because our listeners wanted. We asked the listeners in Tugan group, and everybody's like, monkeypox. Talk about monkeypox. All right. So got the Red Bull, of course. Have you guys tried these shots of ginger and orange? Super spicy. In a, in a way, somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Coconut water and the zero cal green Gatorade. So for the listeners, hydrated, bro. I have two liters of beverages here. Uh, Some of them are diuretics, like uh, the the Red Bull. Some of them are meant for hydration. So we're gonna be seeing if I can last a full hour here. Let's see if you're gonna need a little pee break in a minute. All right, boys. Let's let people know what we're talking about today. Been a big, big week again. Lots of red. Snap dropped 40% and it's a huge impact on the whole on ecosystem. Tuesday. We're recording on Tuesday. Yeah, recording yep. on Tuesday. Uh, they're down 40%. Other big brands, Facebook, Google, Twitter, Roku, all of these again hit. So we're going to break that down and speak about what's going on in the wider space. Um, For advertising. And on the advertising side. Adpocalypse is here. So we want to talk through that today. We're also going to talk briefly on the crypto insider trading problem. There was a, an article in the Wall Street Journal about that. We're going to break that down and see uh, you know, if that was framed in the way we think is accurate. Then we're going to potentially talk about the fear of monkeypox because it is coming up. We don't want to scare anyone too soon. But this is something I haven't heard actually that many people talking about it yet. But there's been reports of this uh, from different parts of the world. So... We're going to talk about that as well. And then we're going to close out strong Costco hot dog, $1.50. Um, what is going on there? And also, to kick it off, we've got Meme in a Week. Over to you, Trunk. We've got a yeah, special so, one from our well, boy today. Just uh, You did a great summary there, but we want to add, it's not just that we're talking about hot dogs legendary $1.50 combo, which is held for almost 40 years now. It's that Jack Butcher will be live streaming his creation of this piece of artwork. So uh, on Sunday for the listeners that aren't watching on YouTube, uh, I posted something about Costco's 150 hot dog and then Jack opined and I asked Jack, hey man, can we get a VV graphic? And here it is. It's uh, Jack, why don't you describe in this image what it is before you show us how you made it later? Okay, sure. So you have uh, time running across the horizontal axis from left to right. You have price. Uh, from bottom to top, the vertical axis. And then in the middle of that area, you have a geometric representation of the Costco (laughs) hot dog. A geometric representation. What he's trying to say is it's a straight line because the price is unchanged, but the line is in the shape of a hot dog. Okay. But wait, the key thing here though is Trung, you tweeted about this. And how long was it in the time that you tweeted about this and Jack responded? Oh, here it is. I tweeted... So I tweeted uh, about Costco's $1.50 hot dog, why they've kept it at that rate and how they've done it. At What time did I do this bad boy? Oh, this is just the timeline. Here's amazing. I did it at 12.19. <laughs> and then Jack 
replied 10 minutes later, and then I replied to his reply, and I said, can we get a VV graphic? So I think within five minutes of me requesting the VV graphic, uh, Jack had delivered the goods. So we'll go through. We'll have a live session, people, of that later at the end of this episode. If you're I'll listening, show you the V1 as well. That's why it took five minutes, because I did it wrong first. Uh, but okay. Well, otherwise, oh, okay. it would have been... 30 so seconds. If yeah, you're yeah. listening, you might want to hop on a YouTube, but uh, otherwise, uh, you know, we're going to deliver the goods. Uh, I'm very hydrated right now. So, uh, Bilal, why don't we get Let's right get into Let's get going. It? All right. So, look, Snapped is down 40%. This is a huge, huge drop. This is shitcoin levels uh, of a drop here. <laughs> so, uh, let, what is going on? There's, there's also, to call out some of the other companies, Pinterest is down 22%. Facebook Meta is down 9%. Google down 7%. Twitter, 4%. Roku, 17%. So, um, Trung, I mean, Twitter I you... would be down to zero if <laughs> people didn't assign like 10% that Elon still might acquire the company. Exactly. I mean, that's the only thing keeping that company up. A float so, right now, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a, the, the down, the sell off for Snap, which is absolutely massive. So now Snap is trading below, below its uh, IPO close. So I think it closed at 25 bucks. What is it now? Uh, what's the number we have officially? I think it's at like 24, whatever it is, right? It's it's down. But uh, the TLDR is that Snap's been a public company for a very long time now. Uh, and uh, it's actually been able to insulate itself. So I'll ask Bilal this. Bilal, in the Snap, in the, in the advertising landscape, right? So obviously search, high intent, there's Google. Uh, direct response, uh, Facebook is obviously a leader and uh, obviously they get a bit of brand or, or quite a bit of brand. And then Amazon is picking up share in the ad market because of how much e-commerce it controls. What is Snap's perception as a piece of this entire ad space puzzle? Um, I'm a little out of date with this stuff, to be honest, on the Snap side, but just from speaking to other people that are actually buying on Snap, because I, I don't really do much on there. There's still this perception that like, if you want to reach younger people, you need to be on there. Okay. And the smartest like technical marketers I know are doing a really good job on there or where they were anyway. And they, you know, basically like the CPMs are pretty efficient, like the cost per thousand impressions, essentially the cost to reach a thousand people are pretty efficient. Um, And yeah, so I know a lot of people, for example, D2C e-commerce brands that have like really done well on there. But that's just, I, I don't know if that's across the board or just the people I've spoken to. Um, but from my understanding, the way they position it has been more brand focused traditionally. And then over the years, because you when you're selling ads, basically you have the brand side and you have direct response like you mentioned. So in this case, I, from my understanding, they started off very much like that. And then over the, over the years, they've improved their offering on the direct response side as well. But for e-commerce, even like, I think probably they must have equivalent of an app install ad that Facebook has, something like that. So yeah, I still generally is strong, but it's not, it, it's just the volume isn't there the way you get on Google and Facebook. Right. I think uh, to your initial point that you brought up where they have this perception of skewing young, I think that is actually accurate. I saw a stat here. I, I got to pull it up from, it's from their, de- their developer conference last year. But I think they have more, users between 18 and 35 than instagram does in the states so That's like they, they crush it in that demo right That's amazing. um yeah and and they have way more daily active users than twitter i think it's 300 plus versus whatever 22 20 for uh twitter but uh what was concerning about today's sell-off was that a month ago they had given revenue guidance for the year 
And they're like, oh, we're going to see something like 30% year on year, something like that. Basically, yesterday they came out and they uh, said, according to a number of macroeconomic factors, and the, the joke around Twitter right now is that every company is saying the same thing, right? Inflation, supply chain, Ukraine, uh, interest rates. They, so Ever Spiegel goes, gets on the call, says those exact four terms that every other company has used. And uh, it sounds like they re-projected uh, their numbers from 30% to 15% or lower. And everybody's like, okay, this is really bad. And that's what led to the, the clapping that ensued. But uh, so the thing about when you guys hear them say supply chain, inflation, and Ukraine, what is your, are you like, this is absolute BS? Because that was my initial instinct. But then I actually looked into their reasoning. It actually wasn't that crazy. When you heard that, are you just like, wow, they're just throwing the whole kitchen sink? Yes, it sounded like they were using all the excuses in the book. You know, like, and I get it's kind of not to get too political here, but it feels very much like politics when you start seeing everyone start using like the the data that's coming out right now. And they're just like, okay, well, inflation is really high. That's it's only because of, of Russia or whatever, when really it's been going like in this direction for a long time. And I think similarly with with Snap, yeah, of course, they've been impacted by this. But I think the surprise for a lot of people has been um, the impact of the Apple, you know, restrictions. Yeah, the privacy changes. And exactly. And I guess we'll probably come on to that. But I think the way they had positioned it was we're not as impacted by this as, say, a Facebook. And now we're seeing actually both the direct response and brand is getting hit, not just Dude, one. Dude, you nailed it. That is actually when you tease back. And uh, unsurprisingly, Ben Thompson has been on top of this. He had a great interview with Eric Seifert last week. Eric runs a mobile dev memo. And he's been on top of the whole Apple uh, ATT changes, which is like the privacy changes for app tracking that we've been discussing for the last six months. But uh, to Bilal's point, a lot of the, you know, when Apple pulls that rug, it's going to take a while for a lot to trickle through, right? So there's a couple of points I want to identify from what we just touched on uh, regarding Apple specifically. So Meta was clearly the target for Apple's privacy move, right? It's like it, it, Meta clearly knew that they were the target that Apple was kind of going after. So what actually happened was Meta, in a way, was the most prepared for the Apple privacy changes because they knew it was coming for them. But blah, you nailed it. Uh, Evan Spiegel said, I think, right as the uh, changes were made official, that he's like, oh, yeah, we're totally cool with Apple's changes. Like, we totally promote privacy. It's because they had a misunderstanding of what the language of Apple's change actually meant, right? And... Uh, uh, Eric pointed out in an article, we'll put it in the links, um, he posted it uh, uh, last night on the news of uh, a Snap's big drop, that he thinks Snap actually may have violated Apple's uh, privacy changes uh, with some, it had to do with IP fingerprinting or something that's way above my pay grade. But it sounds like Snap had a misreading of it. And like when Evan Spiegel was talking about the revenue guidance, it sounded like they're like expecting now to have a hit from the Apple that they previously didn't expect, right? That probably makes sense. It's like, I mean, Bilal, you're in the space. How are people navigating it? And I mean, everyone's getting hit from what I can hear. And yeah. like you said, the interesting thing here is there's a delay from initially when it was announced to, you know, I think Facebook got hit pretty quickly because people's numbers just went down overnight. So yeah. people are running ads, they see revenue of X, and then the next week they see revenue X divided by two, right? And the Facebook did... I don't want to be too critical because it's a very difficult thing to navigate, but I don't think they did a great job of like explaining to people 
um, how to basically navigate this. And then right. it's quite a big change. And by the time you explain that to people who are making decisions, that takes several months, right? And so three to six months later, they're looking in a quarterly business review meeting, like why is my ROAS return on ad spend gone down so much? And this doesn't really happen to me, but I just I can imagine this happening where you'd say, well, it's because the attribution has changed and blah, 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 blah. And they're just like, what? That doesn't, that's too complicated. No, but here, can you tease out yeah. the attribution? Because that's ultimately what it comes to, right? Yeah. Because if you're doing direct response and you're spending $1,000, for example, with before the privacy changes, Facebook had such an engine where you could be like, I know I'm getting, for example, a dollar and five cents out of a dollar spend, right? Like I know exactly. That. Okay, so the attribution engine's broken now. Yeah, well, so there's just basically, if you think of a pie, 100% of the pie of, you know, clicks and conversions that you drive, that you could previously measure that full pie. Now you can measure half or, you know, 40%, 70%, depending on, you know, your account. It's like a black box that they've introduced, right? but, But kind of, yeah. I mean, it's more... It's more like just originally your numbers just went down and you just had to extrapolate. So you'd say, oh, well, see, after this date, obviously revenue didn't change that much overnight, right? It was more the way things are being mm. measured. So now you'd kind of had to do what traditional advertising did, which was guesstimate versus like, you know, in normal digital advertising, you just see pretty much everything. So now you'd say, well, we're missing after the first quarter, we saw a drop off of 50%. We don't think that's all because of negative sales because then you can actually look at like the company's revenue, right? You can see, did they actually make those e-commerce sales? Did the e-commerce sales go down 50% too? If they didn't, that probably means the way things are being attributed isn't exactly right. And, so, what, that, and what that leads to is just less uh, iteration on the ad side, right? Like you can't exactly. fine tune your advertising because you don't yeah. know the There's less way that you can see what's it. working, what's not. And well, then Jack, also- how much do you do for VV? How much Facebook advertising do you do? You do he zero? doesn't do ads, right? Never yeah, spent yeah. a dollar. Oh, it's Elon. amazing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Elon, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, just uh, to, go on, go on, Jack. Uh, I was just gonna say, I was just gonna ask you to like elaborate on what those data points were beforehand and how advertisers would like use what they're learning from those data points yeah. to make changes. What, well, there's two parts to it. One is what you're seeing, which is then the human is looking at it and saying, oh, this is working, this isn't, we're gonna optimize in these five ways. The second part, which I think is actually more uh, impacts the actual performance more is you're giving less data to the platforms to improve your campaigns. Because nowadays, a lot mm. of the improvements actually just come from giving Facebook and Google more data. So if there's today there were 100 conversions and yesterday there were 250, you're giving less conversions and less, you know, essentially people for those platforms to go and find more of those people. So that's kind of how it works. It's like the more data you give to them, the more they can go and fine tune their algorithm to find lookalikes and you know relevant people to serve ads to. So those are the kind of two big things. And yeah, let's see this tweet because well, I think I, I was going to reference it I think, too. Yeah, I think this works exactly to your point, Bilal. So what you're actually doing, so this is Nikita Beer. Uh, we've talked about Nikita before, hilarious Twitter account. Uh, he... Uh, ran a social company called TBH, which was acquired by Facebook. So he understands social very well. Uh, his tweet, which was just an hour ago, he said uh, GDPR, which is the European data privacy uh, uh, law, which came out many years ago. But between that, Apple's app tracking transparency, which is what we've been referring to as ATT, 
They have decimated more small businesses than any policy change in the last decade, all in an attempt to inflict pain on Facebook by a handful of privacy absolutists in Cupertino and Brussels. Cupertino obviously being uh, Apple and Brussels being the CEO. Well, I'll read the next one. Read the next one. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. The <laughs> next one, which is just as good. Uh, he goes, the, uh, the people... Okay, who manifested the political will for these changes? <laughs> the morons at the New York Times who created the hysteria about Facebook and distracted us from the app store monopoly. Okay, so let me tease that out specifically here. So basically, this is the other part of the, uh, the shoe that's going to stop, drop. Like six months ago when Apple says, hey, we're going to stop Facebook from tracking people. Everybody just clapped, right? Amazing. Yeah, stop Facebook. Privacy violations. What they didn't realize was this. And this is, was discussed by Ben Thompson and Eric Sifford. The ad targeting industry before was actually not as intrusive as it's about to become because all the pieces have been taken away from this, you know, the, across the uh, app install ecosystem. Now the Facebook and the Googles of the world are the only two parties with enough data and enough uh, basically brain powered their company because Bilal was talking about you have to fill in the gaps now because you don't have the information. Guess who has the ML teams to quote unquote fill in the gaps and who has the data to fill in the gaps? Facebook's actually about to get more intrusive to make their ad system better. And the people are beginning to see and realize now that six months ago, Apple got a pat in the back because the privacy argument was so strong. It was so strong and was such a winning political play. But to Nikita's point, the amount of small businesses now that can no longer target well, we're talking companies, startups like DTC shops selling soap with five people. If you can't get return on ad spend, if you can't have confidence that you can spend $1,000 to get back 1500 or 1200 or 1100 because the machine's broken, the ad machine's broken, you're fucked. You're done. You cannot run your business. This is why Shopify is tanking. Shopify is so closely tied by enabling these small businesses to the Facebook ad machine that everybody realized, oh, wait a second. If the ad machine's not working, all these businesses on Shopify aren't going to work. Uh, so I'd love to throw it back to you guys, but I think that is what the realization is right now. But well, to Nikita's second tweet, the New York Times has massaged it to the point where it's like, Facebook bad, privacy good. Yeah. Uh, Apple uh, you know, takes out the bad guy. But that, that's just actually not what's going to end up happening. The only thing we got from that whole GDR, GDRP thing is those annoying ads, those annoying little banners at the bottom yeah. of every website you go to on Man. the internet where you have to accept the cookies. And pretty much, I'm like, obviously I'm simplifying. I'm sure there's stuff I haven't thought about, but as a user of the internet, I'm asking you guys, have, have you noticed any differences? Like I still see ads, right? Zero. Dude, exactly. it's like, it's like uh what is it called? A uh, security performance or, you know, after 9-11, for example, they started doing all these checks. Like the shoe exactly. Thing. Yeah. It's kind of yeah. like that at this point, right? It's just a security theater. The Don't term. start me on that, bro. That's a whole different topic. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean like, no, but that's what it is, right? You, it's a, a, a and you talked about it earlier. It's a, it's all this is political ultimately at the end of the day, right? It's like yeah. the privacy is the, is a, a third real issue. not necessary. It's, it's a hot button issue. And if you can be on the side of privacy, you're going to win. To Apple's credit, they have spent the last decade building this perception that they care about user privacy, right? But what's really happening with this uh, ATT uh, move they're doing, where they're basically saying, no, 
uh, Facebook can't track across apps. Guess what? Apple gets to track. And that means Apple has the best data. That means all this ad money is going to flow to Apple, right? So like, that's just a reality. Yeah, that's a good point. The only other thing I was going to add, you mentioned Amazon there. Because and in a comparison from Shopify, like you said, Shopify is down. I mean, I think obviously it's down because the whole market's down as well. Right. But also specifically, this is a big issue because if you're a Shopify business, how you drive traffic is paid ads pretty much, right? Like that, but well, majority of the time, unless you're Jack and you've built up an audience yeah. and you've been able to get people there. But Which say by the way is also like erodes over time. Like doesn't exactly. work forever either. Exactly. So, and that's normally what happens. You hit get to a certain scale, even if it's organic. So, in like traditional terms, it's like paid, owned, earned media, right? So, you've got your own places where people interact with you. And then eventually, you need to go beyond that and you need to scale. And that's where the paid ads really, really can help. And they have helped build, you know, more small businesses in the last 10 years than maybe anything else. Um, and, and so now we're getting to the point where there's a disconnect between, you know, the kind of headlines you read, like you said, the New York Times equivalent headlines, what the politicians are saying, and and you know there are some legitimate reasons for a user to be concerned, right? Like people totally. are worried, you know, are they track? They don't. They, there was no transparency around it, right? But now I think we've gone to the other side where the users don't actually understand, um, in simple way, the benefits they're going to miss out on, right? There's going to be less businesses. There's going to be less of these, uh, you know new products that we've all been buying for the last 10 years. Um, it's going to be less jobs. There's going to be, you know, all these different things are going to be impacted by this. And so, and I was going to say the Nikita, uh, if I'm saying, is, is it Nikita or Nikitia? Nikita Beer. Nikita yeah. Beer. He, something you, you missed that one word he said in there, which was it uh, has decimated more small business jobs than any policy change. I think you might have not said jobs. Oh, I missed that. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but m maybe not. Maybe I misheard you. But regardless, either way, they're basically saying the same thing, but specifically jobs, right? Like we need jobs, right? Like we're going into recession and people are going to be struggling for the next few years. And be the more jobs we have, the more, um, you know, this is really important to drive that. So I think people, that's one part on the business side. The second thing is people don't really think about this, but we basically get all these free things on the internet because of ads. Like no one likes ads, but they give us, we get free stuff. And like for generations, we watch TV for, you know, generations and watched seven minutes of ads in 30 minutes of, show, of shows. And we accepted that and paid for it. And then we went to a place where YouTube is free and you, you get to skip an ad after five seconds and then we still complain about it. So just uh, over time, we've got, you know, kind of spoiled as users or, you know, the business models have adapted. And so now I guess the question is, are they going to find another way to adapt? Are there going to be new models that come to play? Maybe maybe the next Google Facebook will be built in creating a whole new, you know, generation of these sort of media they, uh, companies. They actually, uh, let me offer two to your yeah. point. So, uh, uh, man, I wish so the Eric Sufer and Ben Thompson conversations behind a paywall, unfortunately. But uh, let me tease out the last point to your uh, your your question is: Will there be a new model? Well, let me before I answer that, I want to say I'm not a Facebook or Meta apologist. I'm just saying that the 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 framing of the conversation, which it was six months ago, is like Apple privacy good, Facebook bad. It's like we're beginning to see that it's just nothing is black and white, right? It's like yes, I agree, privacy is a good thing, but the way it was done by Apple and the language that they're using is actually very opaque. So they get to make their own calls, right? It's their own stores and 
and, and platform. Um, I think regulators are actually making a move now, as we've seen around the app store. They might actually come in and be like, you know what? Get, uh, smashing all these small business jobs might not be the greatest thing ever. There's got to be more nuance. But we'll see how that plays out. But to your, to your point, Bilal, about new models. So Shopify actually has a new model that is going to help them navigate this potentially. It's called the Shopify Audience Network. So they have basically a lot of consumer merchant data. They have a lot of merchant data, right? And uh, they can basically figure out, okay, somebody that purchased visualized value, they, we found that 30% of these individuals also have to purchase whatever, this clothing brand over here. They can package that together and give that to advertisers on their behalf, but completely anonymized. And the, the, uh, the companies that would use that data would never get to actually look inside the black box. So they're actually building a solution. I think well, that's probably point. similar to like how Google and Facebook already do it, but they're going to use Shopify data versus. Exactly. And, that, and, they, and the, because they own the data, the key word, uh, the key word that, uh, that Apple's uh, transparency tracking initiative did was like, you can take third-party data and mush it all together. Shopify's like, well, actually, this is all of our own first-party data. And that means we can do it, right? So it's likely a workaround for them. Um, and the, the last point that they brought up, which I found super interesting was, uh, uh, and Bilal, you appreciate this because you're in the space, but he's like, the reason why like a WPP existed, right? Well, wait, uh, and Jack, which firm did you work for? Advertising firm? Uh, they got acquired by Publicist, that okay. network. So the big guys, there's like Publicist, WPP, right? It's like, they're, we're actually going back to a world now where like you need these companies to navigate it, right? Like, does this make, like, Jack, let me, let me throw it to you. It's like, if Google and Facebook were just operating the way they were and it just never changed, Apple never made the transparency thing, you just go to those guys. It's like, you don't really need an agency, right? Their tools are so good. Uh, but now that's we what I would pro. say if I was publicist, though, too. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that would be but, the pitch. But I, agree, but I do agree with the premise of it. I think somebody with more leverage is going to figure out a better way, though. Like, what, like one thing that was occurring to me while we are talking is... Um, well, maybe I don't know enough about the mechanics of this, but like the TikTok, TikTok's ability to understand you or know who you are is there's kind of a fascinating so model there with like product and brand marketing too, right? Like if I think to Bilal's point, it's like it, maybe 10 years ago, there used to be an arbitrage where you could get in the dashboard of Facebook ads and like tweak this number and put that number and do that. And like you could game it out for a few months maybe years as like this huge arbitrage before the market catches up with it and um obviously that's been eroding with time with smarter and smarter people and the platform gets better and etc cetera, etc cetera. so it it facebook as well i don't know if they have the maybe this is an egregious statement but do they have the eyeballs that they used to have do they have the like the harness on attention that they had 10 years ago i would argue probably not so, I think if you include Instagram, that, yeah, but you're right, like Facebook.com itself has been, I don't know, about 10 years ago, maybe like three, four years ago. I think right. it's more like the depth of that engagement. Like even myself, again, talking anecdotally, I use TikTok way more than Instagram nowadays just because it's yeah. more entertaining. But the, I, I don't know the aggregate numbers on that. Yeah, it's in, it's, I guess it's a like it's a little bit of a chicken and egg situation. Like these businesses exist because of the mechanic of those ads too, right? Like 
the ability to reach anybody anywhere and ship stuff anywhere is like Facebook is enabling that type of business. So it's almost like the business models are downstream of the distribution or the ad network or the, and if it like, we're going to go into some trough and then somebody's going to figure out a better way to distribute and then new businesses will be born around, um, those like methods of distribution is a way I would think about it. And also not to, you know, be the, uh, crypto nut case at, at the end of every question, <laughs> but this is the argument that people are making about web three as a, as like a philosophy, as a set of technologies is like, I've actually seen the, like the, um, the talking point has kind of changed on this in the last few weeks where people are starting to latch onto this. Like the ideas of like wallet as distribution, opting in as distribution, like brands being able to create connections with people that are portable in some way. And I think the other thing is like, yes, these changes have impacted all of these businesses, but at the same time, there is like more and more of a winner take all dynamic happening in these markets over and over and over again. And, um, I don't know. I think we live in logarithmic times, boys. That's, uh, <laughs> well, that, editor, that, that, make that the video, yeah, make that that's the, clip. the clip. We live in a logarithmic <laughs> times. Yeah. Well, I was going to add one thing, Jack, cause you, you said winner take all market. I would say the last 10 years has pretty much been that for digital ads with, yeah. well, with Facebook and Google being the two winners pretty much. And then like Trunk said earlier, Amazon, LinkedIn, Snap have, have got their own kind of pockets of market share now. The one, as it related to Shopify, I didn't finish uh, what I was gonna say earlier. I was gonna compare that with Amazon and say, if, if you think Amazon should really be gaining from, from that share of the budgets, obviously advertising is way bigger than just e-commerce and, and retail as a, as a vertical, but for all those people who are spending money on Shopify, let's just say it stays the way things are right now. A lot of those companies won't survive because they that yeah. was their primary way of generating traffic. And instead, like I look at these businesses all the time of like to buy basically, there's like these Amazon FBA businesses that are reliant on, you know, the ecosystem Amazon versus the Shopify equivalent, the D2C brand. And now to me, you know, there was a negative uh, you know, outlook on the Amazon side because you're you're kind of reliant on Amazon. You know, there's a lot of risk there because they own the data and they can basically duplicate your product and sell it for cheaper and all those other things. But now in this case, maybe for e-commerce, that is a a positive thing for Amazon because there's going to be less of these companies that can survive yeah. on their own. They're going to need to lean on Amazon's discoverability, right? And say, okay, I'm not going to sell on my own site. I'm going to just rely on the number one place people go to to shop. Um, obviously, like we said, the advertising, you know, it's like six, seven hundred billion dollar market, I think. And like uh, maybe 60, 70 percent of that used to be when I last looked like brand advertising anyway. Right. So that isn't Amazon, really. Amazon is discoverability by my product right now. Um, so, yeah, it's a very interesting thing. I think a lot of the any company right now, if you're focused on brand ads, you're probably going to be hit not just because of this tracking but also we're going into recession uh, slash we're maybe already in a recession 
And in recessions, the first thing that gets cut, it normally is a brand budget because it's kind of like the fluffy stuff that doesn't drive <laughs> ROI. Unless, unless you want to find a very hyper-targeted podcast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You can't or put unless a value you're on a long-term vibes. thinker in general, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which, which middle managers of corporations don't tend to be. That's, that's true. Yeah, completely. Um, but anyway, yeah, I don't know. I just wanted to add that point on Amazon because I think they do have, um, there's an interesting wedge in there for them, specifically on the e-commerce side. Um, the last thing I want to bring up was the related point on YouTube. Did you guys, I think I sent this to you in the group chat, but um, every year YouTube has this event called Brandcast. I didn't verify this. It was a tweet from someone. Uh, but one of the big talking points from YouTube's event uh, was that YouTube is dominating TV streaming. So like watching, you know, internet stuff on TVs. Uh, it said 135 million people are watching YouTube on their TVs. YouTube holds the majority of streaming of watch time on TV screens and brands are seeing 1.2x greater ROI spending on YouTube versus That's TV. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, again, this is basically from their pitch, right? So who knows how they calculate all these things. Um, but it's a related point that I think we've talked about this before, like Netflix versus YouTube. It, it kind of relates to what we're saying here. Netflix might need to start doing brand advertising. And this is another problem for them now because people aren't going to be spending it there when they can spend it on something equivalent like YouTube. Things are, I think the, uh, if we leave with one takeaway here is like, so uh, to Blau's point, going into a recession, so this brand is getting clapped, right? Like Snap was like the first shoe to drop. And there's actually a very concerning uh, piece of uh, uh, stat that Ben Thompson flagged was like, typically if brand advertising is kind of going and Bilal kind of said it, it's probably going to go first, even before direct response, which is more measurable. The direct response number should actually kind of go up a bit because they have better, there's less competition for that. Yeah, there's like right? an inflow from that budget yeah. to even so if there's drop off. Basically, Snap was showing that both were going down, exactly. which is like, okay, this is bad, right? It's like, not only is brand going away, we're not getting the pickup from the direct response because maybe just that spend is gone and Listen, the summary is this. We're screwed, people. Yeah. This is the apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> this is the fun episode, man. But yeah, I mean, anything this else on the, that? Go on, go on, Jack. This is burning the the uh, stuff on the floor of the fire to stop the whole thing burning down. Yeah. That's what it is. <laughs> what do they call that? Wait, where you get ahead, where you where you getting ahead of it? Yeah, yeah, it's like the pre. No, you I go in like and there's all this dead shit on the floor of the forest. It's like let's burn this and get it out of the way so it doesn't take the whole thing with it. Oh, do, I know exactly do, what you're talking about. Do we need 10,000 yeah. leggings brands, boys? Yeah, is what I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. That's that's also true. Yo, Jack <laughs> is coming out. He's like, Jack's, got, Jack's taking the other side of that small business jobs uh, trade there. Well, in some respects, I am, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I that's think, a fair point. That's I think a good point. There, I think there have been moments in time, like I've met a lot of people who worked in e-com in my time that have built businesses <laughs> that they have it's a profit extraction exercise. There is no passion for the thing that they're selling. Yeah. There is no like, Hey, this is a, pr a problem that needs to be solved. It's like, no, I can get two and a half X return on ad spend okay. here. Fair Let's enough. just shill the living Christ out of this thing until it, it goes to zero. That's what they do. Yeah. So that, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> do we need that? Do we Jack, need that long-term? I don't last know. Last week, your I'm, time. Not for me to do decide. what you love, Jack. This is not a, for me to decide. <laughs> Wait, Jack, uh, your, your, uh, the example, the analogy, uh, controlled burning. Controlled burning. 
of the force. You, yeah. Like, I don't know if people are experiencing it. I don't mean to like, I mean, it's happening to me too. Like it's, yeah. it's everything. Well, dude, is, you run that type of business. Yeah. Yeah. Everything no, not is the, not the part where you're yeah. trying to shut <laughs> You are a sole proprietor is what I mean. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just a, uh, like some of this stuff I think is downstream of like changes to platforms, but it's also like, a huge natural cultural phenomenon where we have like these changes in behavior that come from uh, even like an economic event like that, like, you know, 10, 12 years up only markets is like, it changed people's behavior in strange ways. Like, what do they say? Like, look for exuberant signals in the market. Like when people are eating like gold crusted fried chicken (laughs) or something, right. It's like, there's all sorts of mad shit going on and people like, this looks mental. Like it, this is about to like, something's going to hit the fan here. We're not acting logically, everybody. Like this doesn't feel like a sustainable rate of, uh, growth. And, uh, it feels to me like 50% of it is that. And 50% of it is like, you know, people getting really harmed by, um, things that they can't control. Right. You've built, you've built your business on, and people, talked about this and warned about this. Like you build on rented land, you, but at a certain point, everything is rented. You know, people talk about like email lists as like this, you know, uh, the The safe haven. Yeah. Yeah. But if you're like Gmail is looking at your open rate and pushing you down and putting you in different tabs and doing whatever else. So it's like the only, there's always things out of your control, make a better product. That's the only yeah. defense over the long term. It's like all these arbitrage things are all short term like fixes. Like you found a little tweak or a little hack or a little like tactic to get someone's attention over a long period of time. It's, the irony is as well that Apple is the one instituting this because people are going to buy an iPhone for the next hundred years. It doesn't matter if they yeah. advertise they're, it. They're laughing. They are right. laughing. They're like the only company on the other side of this dynamic where it's just like, we could bring out an iPhone every three months and people will still line up around the block to buy it, right? Maybe that'll prove to be wrong, but I think Warren Buffett seems to agree with that thesis, <laughs> right? The Apple the Apple market power. I mean, Nikita called it on his tweet, right? He's like, people aren't realizing the app store ecosystem is the real monopoly here and where a lot of control is being... I mean, dude, the clapping that Apple did to Facebook, you have to think of how absurd it is. That Apple is single. Well, not it's not that absurd because how they're two point five trillion dollar company, but they literally just they chopped Facebook in half. They decided, and this goes back. This was the quote that I had mentioned before we started podcasting. But I'll say it now because it was such an amazing quote from Eric Super. He is in the ad industry. He talks to people, and the conversation he was having was along the lines of, "Oh wow, like there's like a thousand people that control this advertising, digital advertising privacy." And everybody he talks is like, no, 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 dude. It's like 100 people. And his whole point was like, those 100 people, if you want to calculate economic value, are as important as OPEC on a dollar per dollar. Incredible. Term, right? Incredible. Hey, see, would you agree with that? There's like 30 lawyers right now at Apple that are setting policy for trillions of dollars in economic act, digital activity, right? That's, that, yeah. It's, it's, it's true. I agree it's, with that. It's crazy. Bilal used no, to sit next to no. some of the people at Google. Yeah, no, honestly, if you think about the, obviously, like, it sounds trivial to a lot of people to think like, oh, like ads, like, how does that even impact everything else? But like you said, it's basically how the whole internet works. 
so that everything gets impacted. It's the same way Terra had an impact on the whole DeFi crypto <laughs> ecosystem. This is even worse. This is beyond That's true, the internet. Right? This is how everything works. Like Google Maps is free because we can run ads. There's satellites in the sky that have been paid for so that there's a street view car going around because everything <laughs> runs on ads. People don't understand. You don't just get free stuff. There's there's a reason why they're free so that they can be monetized. So again, you could also argue they've been getting away with it for so long. They've had this basically their own equivalent of monopoly power and these crazy high you know profit margins on these businesses. Uh, I'm talking about Google and Facebook here. And now it's finally catching up with them, right? Someone's come around and said, actually, you guys need to chill out. But well, ultimately, it was a bigger bully, though. It wasn't like yeah, exactly. It's it not like, like it was guy. some startup. It's Apple, the most valuable company in the world. Well, dude, let's talk about this. Apple charges Google fifteen billion a year to be the default exactly. uh, uh, browser or the search, search engine. engine. Yeah. But here's a kicker: their Chrome is not part of the ATT privacy thing. Like when you download Chrome, the app, it's not asking you, "Hey, can I be tracked?" It's like the, Apple's literally choosing. Who I gets to that. win, right? Yeah, it's crazy. I didn't know that either, yeah. Is that, what, what, how's that no, work? Because so, their, their argument is basically, I think the argument is like, that's intent-based. That's different than the uh, direct response. I think that's the argument. Got it. I, I guess, yeah. And it's also Google's first party data, maybe. I don't yeah, know if that's anything. And Apple can literally just decide, right? They get to decide. Yeah. Um, I mean, the only thing I'll say on the ad side, you mentioned earlier that ad money will flow to ad, uh, Apple, I think you said earlier. Uh, and, you know, they uh, they now have a moat around, you know, basically this problem. They did try to do this many years ago, not in the same way. They tried to launch their own network. It was called like iAds or something. I've forgotten. Yeah, yeah. Right. And and I, I remember when it came out and there were a lot of people were like, oh, is this going to work? And kind of like almost scared. And it completely flopped. Like it, it just didn't totally. hit the scale. Obviously now things are very, very different. But I think people don't realize how hard it is to actually no, do like ads really well. No, they're building a massive team, dude. If you, oh, they have, really? They have 200 plus jobs right now for the ad platform. Oh, wow. Okay. Open. Yeah, that no, no, makes no. sense. They're, they're, they're taking another shot at it. 100% they It are. makes sense for them to do it. I just wonder because even if we've talked about Twitter, you know, like there's so many companies that try to do ads or this by default do ads. And like Twitter's ads was built by all these ex-Google people. They did it at Google. Then they go to Facebook and then they go to Twitter. It was like a cycle. They just do the same thing over and over again. But you're supposed by, to go to Twitter, dude. Exactly, and by the time it got to Twitter, it was just didn't <laughs> work. They were they were retired by then. But um, anyway, yeah, I think we talked about this for a little while. Is there anything else we want to talk about? I think that was a good deep discussion on it. Yeah, though. that was good. I think uh, I think we got into the the the, the deeper parts of it. Um, I got nothing else to point. I think I think uh, my last thoughts is uh, Google, Facebook will be fine. Uh, uh, Apple will be fine. Amazon will be fine. They have the resources. Not um, investment advice. Not yeah, investment not advice. investment advice. No, I mean, they'll Trung, be fine. Are you buying like, stocks right now? No, I'm not buying stocks. <laughs> what I mean by fine is like, if you're talking the shakeout, it's like everyone else is going to get clapped, right? It's like, because it, if you have to spend digital ad dollars, you're going to be like, okay, well, who has the most scale? And like, who can I at least trust to try to solve and this who's problem? Got, exactly. And I mean, again, I don't know the details of this, but I met someone fairly recently who was working on some of this stuff at Facebook and they basically said like, it's going to take a few months, but they're already working on how this, yeah. they're, they're going to, this is their whole business. They need to yeah, make it work. They're going to so they, they, figure something they'll else. They'll figure it out. They'll figure it out. All right, let's oh. move on to, oh, go on, go on, Jack. I was just going to say one thing, but I didn't get it in earlier on was um, on the snap stuff. 
do you guys know about the SDK, like all the snaps, like developer kit stuff? Have you seen that? Like the lens stuff, like the AR stuff? Yeah, or- I just think that's like, I really like how they did all of that, like open sourced so much of uh, their stuff and built tools for developers to integrate with Snapchat. And when you think about the audience that they have, like maturing out over time and they're like making it possible for other apps to integrate with Snapchat in such a like enmeshed fashion. That to me, I think is a like strong long-term yeah. vision. Um, I think it's like pretty smart what they've done yeah. and their camera stuff is, is like next level. Yeah. I, um, given where we are and like where we're going feels to me like that's going to be a big part of, the future of communication is this idea of like augmenting video and like anonymity and all of this stuff. And I yeah, think I mean, Bored Elon, up there when he the came, top. Remember when Bored Elon came yeah. on the show, he was using a snap filter or something to use his yeah. stuff. Snap. I mean, Evan's whole, Evan Spiegel's whole thing is like, he's long, like his, his mindset's I'm long-term, right? Yeah. I, yeah. Not investment advice. I would not bet against that guy though. Yeah. I agree. He's an incredible product, dude. Well, the, yeah. Amazing last thing guy. I'll add to uh, Jax's, uh, point was like the running joke with spiegel right he's uh facebook's chief product officer <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that's hilarious <laughs> that's great um all right boys should we move on for the sake of time this was really deep though i really enjoyed that let's talk yeah. about we've got a couple topics tell me what you guys fancy talking about first crypto inside a trading problem fear of monkey pox and costco hot dog let's, i think uh, costco let's, will let's, leave to the end yeah let's run through uh uh the uh crypto insider and the uh the all right so quickly. let's do crypto insider trading so there was a headline here from wall street journal crypto might have an insider trading problem um i don't pay I for the their article. thing I read so it. yeah yeah let's hear yes. let's hear the summary trunk well here it is i mean the it's not the headline is the problem here the meat has uh merit the meat of the article but uh, there's a sounds, think, sounds like last week's episode, yeah, man. <laughs> I think there's something called Gnosis Coin, uh, but they they studied it and uh, basically somebody was buying up a bunch of this coin before it was listed onto Binance, and then they bought up all the coin. Binance makes a blog post, and shortly after Binance makes that blog post, coin shoots up. The individual on the wallet sells the coin, and then makes a handsome profit. Can't remember what the number was. I think it's a couple hundred thousand. Might even be. Is that Gnosis like G N O? Yeah, the G N O. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But okay. I was like, oh, I own, I own quite a bit of those too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, what I will say is this: is uh, yes, that is a problem. Having individuals being able to front run before a Coinbase or a Binance uh, uh, exchange uh, puts the coin or list it. I mean, Kobe, the legend, has tweeted about this nonstop. He has been looking at suspicious activity on Coinbase, not necessarily calling out Coinbase directly. Oh no, not necessarily saying that uh, that like you know it's like management doing this, but it's like whatever you guys are doing in the listing uh, and preparing for listings, it's exposing something, or there's somebody within the company knowing this and trading against and uh, building up positions, knowing that as soon as it gets listed, it's going to shoot, uh, uh, shoot up. So I'll throw it out there, Jack. I know you had some strong opinions about this, so. Let our listeners know how you feel. Well, I don't think this is a new problem. I th- I think is the uh, the most succinct way to say it, right? Market manipulation and people and uh, in, like where you are on the totem pole of information relative to the decisions you make. I just think in 
crypto, obviously the permissionless nature of the markets is a, uh, just makes this a more frequent and, uh, maybe, maybe not even more significant, but definitely more frequent, right? If you're going to, yeah. if you're going to give anybody the ability to spin up X, then, uh, I think the debate is more about, uh, who gets to decide what becomes a market. And like, we're, it feels like we're past the point of no return in a lot of respects, right? Like th this is a specific example where it feels like somebody, like you said, either broke a, a legal contract that they had, which would be the same thing in a traditional finance setting, right? Where it's like, you're not supposed to disclose material, non-public yeah. information, or you're not supposed to leak information from outside the company, or you're not supposed to deploy the contract in a way that X happens, but maybe that is a function of the, I don't know enough technically about what it would expose on chain to make someone be able to like sniff it out. Um, but I think that's in a way that's the same as due diligence that gets done in other markets, right? It's like people putting satellites up over Sears parking lot like and then the funds, make right? it like yeah. billions. You guys watch yeah, exactly. billions. Yeah. Exactly. Like it's like the feedback loops are shorter and tighter, but this is not nothing new. It's like, it's no different than any other like sophisticated market part participant or any other like fraudulent transaction that happens in a market. I think the attachment of something like Coinbase to it is like, because there is not as much rigor in that instrument reaching the market, there is more chance that retail participants get ended. Does yeah, that make sense? Right. Fair enough. So that is Which, a, that is a very valid criticism then. Yeah, that, I think that's okay. that's completely fair. And when like I think if maybe if you are like I mean I'm an advocate for personal responsibility too. So there's also like if you receive an email from Coinbase it's like hey Floki Eba Kinu Dog 9 <laughs> is getting listed tomorrow. And, and then you're, you're making like, your decision based your on first that. first <laughs> instinct is to like put a amount of money that you would not be comfortable losing against something like that, then yeah, that's a, like, that's a problem. But there's also, yeah, there's, I mean, there's also the, the inverse is like, if something legitimate is being built or you have a, like a team of people that are working on something legitimate and an incident like this happens, you can lose your reputation in the process, right? Regardless of how, um, you know, someone outside of, the team developing the thing can make something like this happen and destroy faith in something else, which is, we've talked about this since we started recording this, which is like, these are the down downsides. There are, of, there are many upsides to the ability to create a market, but there are also a lot of downsides in that the feedback loops that you enter into are so incredibly fast and you expose yourself to um, all sorts of, things that you would never even imagine that it does not happen when you're going through the process of like filing for an IPO, right? You've been in business for five years, 10 years, however many years you have all these financial statements, you have to present X, Y, and Z. Um, I think that is the primary difference is just the amount of maturity or the amount of hoops and steps you have to jump through to list something that then is accessible to the average person is uh is why there's a higher frequency of this stuff happening in crypto 
Which, which but, does mean that there are solutions, right? Like there has to be these things that you're mentioning in place potentially. I mean, I think the solution is mostly in, on the individual, to be honest. Okay. Like that, I think, I do think Coinbase has listed some like mad stuff as well, right? It's like there's, <laughs> yeah. there's they, they, really they, like, yeah, definitely. They, they, their incentives are for fees. And list, I yeah. think, I think they started there. They started as like Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, wasn't it, or something early on? And I think maybe, um, I don't know, maybe the there's something, there's something kind of contradictory or there's some conflict in like making this permissionless market accessible to everyone and including every single experiment and giving people access to that because I think then you have like, the burden of education increases, right? If you're, if you're beginning to introduce things that have more and more and more risk. Um, I know it's a complicated thing, but to wrap up the, like, was the headline misleading? I think the transparency of this ecosystem is so much more significant that these things get found too, right? Like how many transactions are happening yeah. in a day? in a traditional financial market that is just masked in a completely um, opaque order book. And I don't think many people at the top of those games are guessing either. You know, it's just not how. Well, I'll give you I, a very simple, uh, very straightforward example. Somebody recently went to jail because they were getting access to like uh, corporate newswire releases or like uh, they had early access to the SEC official documents. Very similar, right? It's like having early access to like a right, blog post right. of a listing. And uh, yeah, I agree. The fuckery happens everywhere. That's the reality. Uh, crypto does. Um, this thing is like, here's the question. Is it a crime? It's a crime, I believe, if it's happening within the organization itself. It probably, ha at a minimum, it's a fireball offense within the organization, right? But if it's literally somebody that's really good at understanding the blockchain and being like, wow, there's increased activity on this blockchain. And every other time that Binance has listed something, these exact same things have happened, right? There's that part of it, which is like, you're just, you're using the signals. Yeah. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're you know, DYORing, so, man. Yeah. You're doing your own research. <laughs> uh, well, dude, there's like uh, the, the individual on Wall Street Bets. They saw that Amazon had created the URL, amazon.com slash affirm. And they're like, oh, something's going on, either an acquisition or a partnership, right? And they put on an options mm. bet weeks in advance. So like totally legal, really smart. But then it'd be illegal, and this is the example that we're coming up, if somebody within Amazon is doing that. So that's the question. Are people within Binance? Or if they would, someone was told when oh, yeah. they weren't or supposed telling to be them told. this information, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think that that wasn't clear to me. That that, that, that article did not make that clear, which is... Which which makes the word insider trading trick because insider trading is the most low. I mean, dude, you say insider trading, it's just people are pissed, right? It's mm -hmm. about fairness. It's about the game's rigged. If the title was uh, individuals are really good at figuring out Binance's blockchain or Binance's uh, uh, listing uh, uh, protocols. It's just not as juicy of a headline, right? Not many clicks for that one, mate. That's there's not a yeah, there's a fine line between insider and just like investigative to the nth degree right i think uh but i think 99 percent of cases in both worlds in any world is somebody got the nod and they did something before everybody else knew <laughs> that's just how 
like all of this stuff seems to and function. they put it in their brother's wife's account right? yeah 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 <laughs> Hey, yeah, well, I, th- I think get Julie to make the trade. <laughs> I mean, it, I don't know enough about the law to know whether or not um, the same rules apply. I would assume if you work at Coinbase, because it's a public company, you can't do any of that stuff. But if you're, um, you know, there are decentralized exchanges and there are uh, like, I don't know if everything that constitutes a newsworthy event is happening through public companies anymore. Does that make sense? Like well, that's why a lot of this NFT stuff, you know, all the rugging going on in the world of NFTs is like, that is truly wild west. Um, people in a discord people, pumping and dumping. But there are people going to, there are people going to prison or going to trial for like intentionally manipulating people and like saying, you know, committing wire fraud, doing things that they said that, sorry, saying things that they had no intention of doing. Um, and they're all, you know, get found out and like the receipts are ready to go yeah. on the day of the trial because it's all done in public, right? They're not, they don't having to go through the same level of depth of investigation you would if you were, you know, in a, in a more opaque system. So very hard problem to solve for sure. Um, well, I was just going to add- also human nature. Yeah, completely. Jack, I was just going to say that I think someone who comes from like traditional finance world, which is not me, Trung might be closer to this, having some background with your internship days and your CFA life, Scotia Bank or whatever it was. Um, Just from friends who work in that space and correct me if I'm wrong, but don't they have to like declare every trade they make? And like they can't buy like individual stocks. And there's like there's very strict rules around if you work in certain companies, you can't just you basically can't trade. Um, yeah, like I worked at well, I worked at S and P. Oh yeah, which you is, uh, had the same thing. Then. To, it wasn't that you couldn't. You had to. You had to announce. Disclose. You had to disclose, and you had windows around their company. Like this is most corporations around company owners where you can't do things. But like yeah, it's like you had to disclose like certain positions you held, and uh, and. Which and, I doubt is happening more, right? in, in the crypto space, right? Like, I don't know if, if Coinbase has well, an also, equivalent the other thing, thing you have to remember is like, if you had, uh, and also if you do like more trading stuff, sales and trading, like you have to have a series six or series eight, series nine, yeah, series yeah. 11, right? It's like, that's very explicitly like, these are what you are, are and are not allowed to do. And, um, it. I and just can't you, see that scaling any further. Sorry, Tron, I didn't mean to no, interrupt no, go ahead. I can't see a lot of that stuff scaling with, uh, where we are now right like the systems to keep up with that just seem it just seems like horses bolted uh i think i read yesterday 12 percent of american adults transacted in cryptocurrency last year like what is that size relative to financial professionals in america 100x 1000x 10,000x yeah that's true it just feels like you're saying yeah yeah yeah. where do you even begin the participation yeah like the uh, most egregious cases of it are obviously going to be, you know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, people who are victims of stuff like that. I think the Doak one thing is one of those examples, right? It's just so enormous that so many people, it creates such a storm and so many people reach out to authorities, but on a smaller scale, it just happens, happens all around the clock. Well, here's a, here's a funny headline for you guys that we could probably cap this off with. We're talking about actors and participating in markets. 
Bilal, why don't you read that out for our listeners? Adam Newman's blockchain-based redemption story now sponsored by A16Z. <laughs> Incredible. Also, the picture they chose is beautiful. So, Adam Mouth Newman, open. the founder of WeWork, uh, played by Jared Leto in the, the t television show. Have you guys been watching that, by the way? Not yet. Well, my wife watched it. She liked just, it a lot. I just started watching it last week. It's, it's pretty good, man. Hey, why don't you tell before... You, yeah, let's definitely do that, but also before, let's tease our listeners. Why don't you tell the listeners what Adam Newman, the name of Adam Newman's startup and what it does? Uh, am I reading this off the screen? Flow, yeah, carbon to, flow Carbon to sell tokenized carbon credits on the blockchain. <laughs> mm, okay. It's quite all interesting. Right. Okay. That sounds like does, we might have to dig into that later. But uh, That does sound right. like we need to do that. Let's, all uh, right. Let's move on to monkeypox and continue the FUD season. Let's talk okay. about monkeypox. What is going on? Okay, people, you this one's going to be super quick. Thread with us. Although I'm only going to bring this. Is, I'm doing this as a PSA, now, uh, as a public service announcement. because Not I, uh, medical advice yeah, before not you medical go advice, into it. But, and, and to make sure it's not medical advice, I'm regurgitating word for word uh, Ed Yong, who's the science writer for The Atlantic. You've definitely read some of his stuff in the past year. He's been covering... He's probably the one of the two or three most preeminent writers about the COVID uh, uh, pandemic situation in the States. So Ed Young from The Atlantic, he wrote an article uh, that came out uh, three or four days ago. Uh, so the information is not necessarily like, oh, this is old. It's like he's giving like a high level view of uh, uh, a monkey pox. Jeez, first of all, the name. Guys, can we talk about the name? It's called freaking monkey pox. <laughs> but it's been be around forever, it, right? It's not yeah, like... It, yeah. yeah, so here, his headline is, uh, so have you heard about monkeypox? A new viral outbreak is testing whether the world has learned anything from COVID. First point, Balao's nailed it. And this is the first point that Ed Yong makes. Monkeypox is a known disease. Uh, it's, it's part of the smallpox, uh, smallpox family or in that family. And uh, we have a very good grasp about it uh, in terms of the science of it. COVID, very, very new. Uh, kept changing. So that's the number one. Uh, number two is uh, the, at the moment, it doesn't look like it will be as viral as COVID. So it looks like contact, person to person contact physically. Um, it sounds like bisexual and gay sex between males has been the, the number one vector uh, of transmission. They traced it back. I mean, one of you guys sent the headline. It looked like there was two. Yeah, raves. I think Joe Rogan. I think I shared it. Yeah. Joe Rogan <laughs> oh, shared it. Oh my god! Because it so, was a. This was a headline. I don't even know if this is true, but they were talking about European nightclubs. Because if anyone's ever been to Berlin, yeah. they don't play around skin in some skin. of those places. Bro. Skin to skin contact. <laughs> it's a bit more than skin to skin in those places. <laughs> so it sounds like uh, these raves. Uh, there are two raves, which are the hotspots for this. So a couple of uh, a con so. Not aerosol. This is what's being said. It's like skin to skin contact. And uh, what you get, like boils on your skin. Uh, the death situation has not, I don't think there have been any deaths, but uh, it's very painful. Uh, these kind of lesions. Uh, sounds like it lasts two, three weeks. Um, so again, well-known, uh, studied for a long time, and not airborne is uh, the information that's being given now. This is what's concerning though. This is what Ed Young says is concerning. So, we as a population have been protected from smallpox for so long, right? Smallpox was eradicated 50, 60 years ago that we stopped basically giving the vaccine for smallpox. And uh, uh, that vaccination cycle hasn't gone through the population. 
So is there a chance that's been able to adapt uh, in humans? And now will this monkeypox be a threat uh, that our current uh, uh, vaccines and systems cannot uh, go up against? Having said that, you remember with the COVID situation, it took forever to green light these vaccines and then to distribute them. Um, uh, Ed Yong says that the United States has more than enough smallpox vaccination supplies for every single American, and they have antiviral pills that can be preventative uh, on top of the vaccines, enough for everyone also. Because smallpox and the threat of it has been studied by like on a national security level too. It's like the United States government been like, this could be bioterrorism, so let's be prepared for it. Um, Got it. That is the positive stuff. And then the last thing I'll add is uh, the last thing he said, which is partially concerning, was that uh, it was it has historically uh, when these kind of outbreaks did happen, it was more uh, uh, secluded, uh, was staying on the African continent. But now that it sounds like it's in six or seven different countries, they're questioning is the transmissibility much more than we previously expected. Um, so Got that's it. the situation for the listeners. Thanks, man. Yes, yeah, that because I I uh, saw that thread as well, but it was I I started seeing a lot of news articles saying like lockdowns are starting in belgium or wherever it yeah. was. like there were a few countries and i honestly i didn't dig into it because i'm so I, I think i'm so tired from the whole two yeah. years that i think i'm just waiting. just stay safe right like people stay safe yeah that's a, just just a standard hygiene uh uh keep it clean keep it clean and um maybe avoid maybe, berlin uh, nightclubs berlin nightclubs <laughs> right now um, um all right let's leave on something happy Let's yep. end this episode on something happy. The $1.50 Costco hot dog. All right, here we go. First of all, let me, let's just get a visual here for the viewers. Look at this, man. Oh, my goodness. I want one, dude. I might get one later today. Look at that. Jeez. Jack, you're, you're Mr. Costco. You love you. You love you some Costco. Do you hit the hot dog every time you go? Not every time, no. But my dad's here. We do it every time. Uh, <laughs> Is that his favorite? He loves it, yeah. Um, so, you Mr. know what, though? Putin. You know, Bilal, he says the one in Reading is better. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's hilarious. They, do, they saute onions on the, in the UK. Oh, uh, that's Costco's, key. Mate. Yeah. Oh, so, well, why don't Fancy. I break down the story quickly before Jack? So, I know the watchers, the viewers have been waiting. They want to see Jack doing this live. So, Jack, are you pulling on the iPad for this? No, I'll do it on the uh, Figma. Okay, you can do it in the Figma. Here we go. So uh, let's talk about the hot dog uh, story. Uh, we can go through. Let's just share the, the... Everybody knows this headline. At this point, it's probably the greatest headline in business history, right? It's pretty great, yeah. Costco co-founder uh, Jim Senegal once said, I will kill you to the current CEO of Costco who wants to hike the price of the $1.50 hot dog combo. So a couple of funny things have happened in the past week around Costco's hot dog. So first of all, let's talk about the hoax that was passed around. Do you guys follow John W. Rich Kid? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I sh I think I shared this yeah. in uh right? in, the, in the Telegram group. Yeah. So, well, here you guys got to notice this. So, John W. Rich Kid, it's a parody account of uh, John W. Rich, coked up options. So, this is what. So, for the for the listeners, I'm just showing this image of uh, his tweet. So, last Wednesday, uh, John W. Rich Kid, who pretends to be a Wendy's fry cook on the internet tweets out breaking Costco, Costco announces plans to raise food court prices by $1 for on hot dogs due to inflation. Now we know why this is hilarious. Everybody's worried about inflation. 
Costco has kept the combo at $1.50 since 1984. So it is like, it is the last bulwark against inflation, right? So this tweet goes out. I want to tell you guys what's so freaking funny about this. So the House GOP Republican official Twitter account, they're looking for any reason to slap Insane. back at Biden, right? This is so funny, man. Yeah, so for the <laughs> listeners, the House Republican GOP account writes, hashtag Biden inflation comes for everything. And they retweeted that initial tweet from John W. Rich Kid, a parody account of another parody account. Uh, but what, what I will say is you'll notice here that John W. Rich Kid, it, he, he changed his name to Breaking 911 yeah. and the logo. So it looks like a, like, a, a news, uh, a real news source, and like to the GOP's credit, a number of other blue check marks also fell for the uh, Costco <laughs> inflation. Right? It's that fake news spreads, man. Dude, Jesus. this is how, dude. I'm not gonna lie. I saw that headline, and I, I was like, oh my god! Like that first instinct, it's my done. heart stopped. It's done. <laughs> I was like, oh no, this is bad. But then you know me, I'm such a big shit poster that I had to Google myself. Uh, I always Google the fake news, right? Just Google the fake news, people. Anytime you see me tweet anything, Google it first. See if there's any reputable source there. So this goes out, and uh, people are losing their mind because Costco has done everything in the last four decades to keep the price at $1.50. They've done everything. It's truly the only stable coin out there. I think yeah, I saw someone well, post that yeah, as that well. Was a, that, that was a super viral tweet. Uh, I saw 200,000 likes on it, but... Uh, Actually, I, I DM'd uh, John W. Rich. You guys would love this. I go, hey, man, how long in advance did you plan this? This is like a wild prank. He writes back, hey, Trung, uh, like any post I have on my parody account, I just randomly decided to do it today. There was no rhyme or reason behind my timing or framing of the tweet. And then he writes at the end, they had no idea, referring to the Republican uh, uh, GOP account, that the tweet came from a fake Wendy's Fry Cook account on Twitter. If they did two seconds of research, they would have known this. And this is the best line. Kinds of show you what we already know. Nobody verifies anything and only reads the headline. Sad state of our society. Nails it. Man. Wait, Trunk, because I, I was speaking to him too. Uh, the actual uh, cocked up option dude, the person behind yeah. that. Yeah, John yeah, John Rich, but like the actual like real He's person. He's probably related to this account. That, that's what I was about to say because yeah. I assumed this was just another one of his accounts, but no. this someone else apparently made this account and is like playing on it uh, yeah. as well. So pretty, but whoever's doing that is smashing the game because that is a Unreal, plus right? level shit posting. Well, so the funny thing was Costco fell twelve percent that day, and uh, like today we talked about the ad apocalypse. <laughs> But people were like, oh, my God, this fake tweet about Costco's hot dog inflation tanked the stock. It turned out not to be. It's not true because Target fell 25% that day. Uh, Walmart fell 7%. The Consumer Staples Index fell 7%, the worst day since the Great Recession. But um, that's another story for another time. But let me go back and finish up on Costco, what they've done over the years to keep the hot dog at 150 So Jim Senegal, the co-founder of Costco, told uh, Craig Jelinek. That's where that famous quote comes from. He's like, I'll kill you if you raise the price. Uh, it's because, so Jim Senegal, I found an interview in 2009 that he did. It's an incredible interview. Uh, he says, listen, Costco does not do loss leaders because there's this, man, Jack, I'm sure Jack might even believe this urban legend. It's like, oh my God, they got to be losing money on this item, right? Costco does not lose money on an item. Jim Senegal says, we do not do uh, uh, loss leaders 
the only time we'll sell below cost is if we made a mistake and we mark it down. So they do cap the items at a 14% margin max. But on certain items, like the 150 hot dog combo or the 499 rotisserie chicken, they will take it down basically to break even. But here we go. Yeah, trunk been digging into this, bro. Yeah, I went deep, boys. <laughs> you would look so, to the margins. I think I saw you. Did let me walk. Preeminent Costco research. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, buddy, I'm not done yet. So let me walk through what they've done to keep the hot dog at a dollar fifty. They sell 130 million of them a year. I want you to think about that. These MFs sell 130 million hot dogs a year. All right. So this is what they did. They used to be supplied by Hebrew National and Nathan's, both big hot dog brands. They dropped them. In 2009, they built their own plant. This is where Jack Butcher commented on my tweet that led to his famous image. Jack's like, I like me some vertical integration or something to that effect. They just use an <laughs> Apple play. Apple's been copying Costco all along. M1 chip was inspired by the <laughs> hot dogs. Actually, actually, that's such a good but Jack, have you ever bought the hot dogs like the ones, the packages of hot dogs, I brought home and fried them up. I mean, I cooked them up. No, no, no never did that. Okay, it. okay. I like so the, I like to be uh, experience it in store. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. So in, in 2009, when you're experiencing it in store, that's their own hot dog. So they built a plant in LA, and then they built one in Chicago. Uh, Adam Nash, a former LinkedIn employee, he's a big uh, startup investor now, founder. Uh, he commented that actually, Trung, you're missing something. He says. You have to understand that by going in-house, vertical integration, and Bilal, you're going to laugh, they're removing all third-party checks on the quality of the hot dog, which reduces price. So his argument is that the, is that the quality is actually going down. I, I, I can't remember when I was three years old eating that hot dog, if I can remember how good it was. Uh, I'm assuming it's similar quality. But uh, onions and sauerkraut have actually been removed from the U.S. stores. So, I mean, Jack, you said that you had sauerkraut in, the, in England which sounds like uh, things are still going good there. Uh, that might change. Um, I'm, just doing, I'm just doing a little calculation, boys. You want to know how many hot dogs per Costco store per day in the U.S. based on your math? <laughs> yes. Jesus. Hit it. 622 dogs per day per, per day. Costco warehouse. Okay, hold on. How many is that? <laughs> hey, wait, wait, wait. Do the math. Run through the numbers for us. So, 130 mil. 130 wait, is million. 130 mil global or U.S.? Global. Okay. Uh, I'm doing I'm doing US. So it'd be a oh, little bit less okay. impressive than this. No, but divided on. by days in the year, divided by um number of stores. Six twenty. That actually that seems that is that, that sounds seems about doable. right. Yeah, there's yeah. thousands of people coming in. Yeah. You go that, there, you're always fourth or fifth in line. <laughs> you know. It makes sense. We're, we're probably a five minute uh two and a half minute prep time, maybe. Reminds me of my Honda days, boys. Oh yeah, it's the, continuous you got, production. You get in in the morning, and the hot dogs are on the roller until you clock out. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you used to eat some Costco dogs post Honda? No, I'm saying the production line oh, at yeah, Honda yeah, yeah, yeah. is a similar environment. Totally. The, uh, and then they got uh, the pizza. You know the pizza oh, thing. Oh my never... good! Oh, it's so good. Buck ninety nine, and like the chicken bake. Everything in Costco is delicious. So. uh the last cost-cutting measure that's was... That's the Kirkland guarantee, isn't it, That's Trump? a Kirkland guarantee. That's a Kirkland guarantee. The uh, the refillable soda went from a can to the syrup, which is obviously cheaper. So, uh, last thing I will say before Jack does his thing was uh, in this Seattle Times interview, this is what Jim Senegal says about the hot dog. People look at the hot dog and say, $1.50? That's unbelievable. 
It's the same thing you'd spend seven or eight dollars at the ballpark, and the hot dog's not as good. It's one of the things that we're known for. We're known for the hot dog. That's something you do not mess with. I love this man. I fucking That's love great. this man. It means and, business. And but here's a quote, boys. The last quote from Jim Senegal. Greatest quote in history, even better than I will kill you. The Seattle Times asked him. <laughs> the Seattle Times asked Jim Senegal, the co-founder of Costco, if the price of a hot dog ever goes up, what will it mean? Senegal, that I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally walk over my dead body. That's basically it's what he's literally saying. It. It's like, it's as good. Incredible. Not only will he kill you if you raise the price, he will also defend it to his death. <laughs> he will kill himself. He will die. It will, he's he'll 86. Be Trung, he's how 86. many hours did you dig into this Costco fiasco? Dude, this is the thing, man. <laughs> when, when something like this starts and I get start my start snipping you around. You got to keep going until you dude, know. I got to get, I, I'll tell you, so I'll, I'll tell the listeners what I do because I, I get asked about this. I literally will just open up the first 20 articles from a Google search, put them in the Insta paper and just fucking read all of them. That's it. That's the research. And I'll always find one or two nuggets. There's no magic, boys. Anyways. Hey, Trung, have you done a um have you done a thread on Senegal? I need to do one, yeah. It Give says, me a I just read in his Wikipedia page, he started as a grocery bagger in at FedMart. This writes itself, Trunk. Mate. It's already on is, Wikipedia. Nice yeah. and easy yeah. translation, your favorite sort of thread. If anybody <laughs> could take something from Wikipedia and put it on Twitter, we know it's this guy right here. Exactly, mate. All right, Jack. All right, I think it's time to finish off with some Jack Butcher magic. Jack, no, you're going to share it. your screen on the Figma, yeah? Here we okay. go. We'll go so completely let, let me tee up the situation. Okay, let me tee it up. Okay. So and this for I, people listening. Yeah, yeah, for the people listening, I tweet the article out that I just uh, talked about. Jack replies. Wait, Jack, tell me when you're ready to hit the timer. Hold on, hold on, Jack. Are we right. hitting the timer? Okay, here we go. Sure, sure. Here we okay, go. Here here's the clip for the okay, week. Okay, guys, here, here's a clip. <laughs> this is a clip of the week. I tweet to Jack, hey, Jack, can we get a graphic of the Costco $1.50 hot dog? And Jack sees the reply, and he goes, now! Go! <laughs> well, we got to get this right. Okay, so beautiful. What are we doing here? We got the timer on. Just got to get this square, boys. Hit this up. Get your uniform lines going. What are you thinking though? What, what what's the first thing you think when you heard? So I'm thinking dog? about. I obviously go for the x and y axis. I know it's going to be a. Uh, I know that's how we're going to display it. But okay. first of all, I got it a little wrong because I thought no, I can do the. Um, I can do the hot dog along one of the axes, but then that kind of distorts the message a little bit. So the the hot dog <laughs> is the data. You okay, know? amazing. <laughs> oh, you're gonna make the hot dog the axis. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. But but then I was like, what does that imply? We're we're not counting hot dogs here, right? We're we're doing um we're doing the price of hot dogs. So over time, we build over the time. graph here. Hold on. Oh, this is time. No, yeah, yeah time and price. See, I'm already messing it up. And then uh, what's the timer at, Bilal? What's the timer at? Have you ever constructed? Well, I was on mute. Have you ever constructed a hot dog in Visualize Valley before? No. <laughs> This is the this first is a, hot dog we're on ever. One made. minute, eight seconds. Okay, hold first on. This one is a, ever. So you had never done a hot dog in the course of your legendary visualized value career. I can't say I have, no. <laughs> 
I'd say watching Jack do this is so like meditative for some reason. I, Wait, I don't know if oh my... old school visualized value uh, people, if you're in Jack's community back in the day, he used to do these open, uh, what are Blah, they called? Time. Office hours. Blah, time. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Let me tell that and say, yeah, one minute thirty-six. One minute. Th I'll, I'll keep it on the screen. That is uh, amazing, dude. There we go. We done. Yeah. So, and uh, yeah, that stop time. Just to finish off, Jack used to do interviews with people and then illustrate their story live. Basically, like, but it was pretty incredible. So, um, we just got Jack, one a throwback there. Why don't you talk us through the hot dog a bit? So, what what is actually is going in your mind when you're thinking, <laughs> how am I going to construct a hot dog? Like, what, what what's going on here? How am I gonna like visually represent it? Yeah, like what, what's going? On? That's the first time you ever made a hot dog on screen. Well, I'm trying to get the ratios right. So if you actually, <laughs> I did it from memory, but you know, you pulled up the visual. It was pretty close. You know, you oh, got yeah. the tips. You got the tips hanging out the bun either yeah. side. That's yeah. that's pretty signature Costco hot dog. And then you, you want to get the <laughs> you know the bun width. You want to get that right. You Wait, want to Jack, get the ratio on. of the bun to the hot dog, right? Could you put some mustard on the the, the wiener? I could, yeah. All yeah. right, can we, get a, can we get a last shot of that? Put it back up, yeah. <laughs> we'll break the style. Trunk guy loving this way too much. Yeah. So let, so <laughs> Trunk is that. getting so excited. <laughs> oh, there we go. Nice and nice and neat, though. Not like a squiggle. Yeah. No, we can't. We can't break this. The guidelines. Yeah, we gotta keep the the guidelines. There well, we go. What is, what is the visualized value guideline? Like, uh, that what's the rule here? It has to be straight lines. Not necessarily, but it has to be uniform. So, um, if I was gonna do it, um, if I was gonna do it, bendy would have to have. It would take a lot longer. It'd have to, you know, <laughs> make sure you had it all right. And what That's... what about what kind of title could we get on this item? Or or, or is this the end product? You would not ever title this. I wouldn't title it. No, maybe I'll title. What? Give it? Give the piece a name. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Find us an open C. Probably uh, price control. Oh, there we go. Amazing, man. Oh my. Love that. Maybe yeah. Uh, we got to tweet that out right some, now. Live there's on probably the some good pun in there somewhere, but it would need a little bit longer to to, to cook. That was beautiful, mate. Well, we live in all. How about this? We live in logarithmic times. That could be true too, or we could do. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I'll be. I'll, it means I'm dead. What did he say? What was his oh, exact yeah. words? It means, <laughs> it means I'm dead. It means I'm dead. That's a great one, man. Yeah, this guy is thread material for sure. The the Wikipedia page isn't that long, Trunk, so you're going to have to dig a little deeper. <laughs> oh, man, that's amazing. All right, boys. Incredible, Jack. Thanks for demonstrating Thank you for your doing fine skills there live for us, mate. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, boys, I think we're hitting time just in time. I think Jack's got a hard stop as well, so we better cut this off. Um, thanks again for being there. Anything else on Costco, actually, before we cut off, boys? No, that was perfect. That was beautiful perfect. way to finish actually, off. Actually, one more is uh, the last thing we'll add for anybody that's still with us was uh, I think when he got shared this, but someone in Wall Street Bets said uh, Costco. Oh, this was incredible. Yeah, the headline from Wall Street Bets. Is Costco is selling hot dogs at loss? We can exploit this. That, that second line, we can exploit this, is so incredible. <laughs> that, that's so good. So this is the this is the plan. This is the plan to exploit it by the Wall Street Bets community. Uh, we have 12 million members. Each WSB predator goes out and buys a thousand hot dogs from Costco. But Jack just said that's not even that's they don't do that type of sales volume. Right, right. But they said that you can lose Costco. Forty-two billion dollars if every member bought a thousand, 
and then you short Costco into their next turn. Jokes on them. They're still making that margin. Wall Street bets is is broke. Bro, jokes (laughs) on them. You think Jim Senegal is selling the hot dogs at a a loss? loss? Bro, come on. All right. Amateur hour. All right. (laughs) That was a good way to finish. Thanks again for listening all the way here. If you did, (laughs) let us know what you thought of the live, the live with Jack there. And we'll see you next week on the next one. Cheers, boys. Thank you.